0: Michigan fans welcome to in the big house with your host Tyler Seeley and BB's big house from game day recaps recruiting player evaluations and all the latest buzz around the program we've got you covered now here's Tyler and Brian what's going on Michigan fans welcome to episode three the Rashawn Gary episode of the in the big house podcast Brian how you doing tonight
1: I'm doing great you
0: I'm doing fantastic. Michigan moves to 3-0 and with a win over UConn. And, uh, you know, this this soft schedule is going to get a lot harder, which we'll talk about. But um, I'm doing good, uh, yeah. thankfully. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the next game, which, which we're going to talk about the last game first. So UConn, Michigan, it was a bit of a blowout. Michigan – shut out the Huskies, which we kind of thought that that would probably be the case, that Michigan would win by a lot. I think they may have done kind of what they did in the last game. They may have called off the dogs because uh, it just – it didn't seem like, you know, once that – halfway through the third quarter, it kind of seemed like, you know, everybody played. And they said they played, what, over 100 players again? 100, and uh, I think they the set a school record, right?
1: Yeah, 108 guys' record. Yeah,
0: amazing. That's unbelievable. They yeah. set a school record, and I mean, has that ever even happened where you have eight quarterbacks take a snap in a football game?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't. know It's pretty amazing. You know, the the soft schedule is undeniable, but the through the first three games, first half of play, Michigan has led their three opponents one hundred and three to zero.
0: I don't care who you're playing. I don't
1: you know, that's still impressive, you know, and I think it speaks a lot to the coaching and the culture of the team, you know, to keep them focused to 103 to zero when it mattered the most, when the starters were in there the predominant amount of time, uh, you know, check plus move on uh, preseason's over. Let's get into big 10 play, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, the biggest thing to me is like, it's been so clean. It really has been so mm-hmm. clean. They've done a really good job of even when, when guys like Alan Bowman and Alex Orgy and Davis Warren are taking snaps, they're not getting false starts. They're not, you know, the, the defensive backs that come into the game when they are on the field, um, you know, they're not holding, they're not make pass interference, you know, having ridiculous pass interference calls. Um, they're very disciplined and they're very calculated. And the defense as a whole, I think, has looked pretty good for the most part.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was. I think it was just about everything that you would want, um, other than a couple of injuries. Uh, you know, Blake Corum said it, tying the school record with five TDs. Awesome, AJ Henning with a kick return. Uh, I think Jim oh, Harbaugh. That was, said, that, that was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. tackles. I, I, Jim Harbaugh was saying in his presser that you know he doesn't know how many times in school history that they've had a punt block and a kick return or a punt return for a touchdown. So I mean they, they checked a lot of boxes in that game. It was uh... Well,
0: you know, it's funny. I I said to the people that I was watching the game with on uh, on Saturday, my roommates actually. I I said to them I'm just like, "Man, Jim Harbaugh he's got to be extremely excited." And I, I said I said a hard on. He he definitely had a hard on when that nah. happened because, you know, there's one thing, if, if I know something about Jim Harbaugh, as he loves special teams and he loves blocks like that and kick returns for, the touch, for a touchdown. And, I mean, that just speaks to how complete of a team this is. And it could also speak to how bad UConn is. We'll find that out, you know, this week w- when they are tested against Maryland. Um, but I just want to say one thing. I mean, people talk about how the defense has been – you know obviously David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson last year but like through three games and you I know you sent me this through three games they have eight sacks and through three games last year they had nine sacks and so i mean they're still getting pressure although i would like to see a little bit more i know we kind of went back and forth with that uh over text i think they need to put some more pressure when when it's just a three man rush or, or you're just bringing four um, you can't be blitzing, and, and it feels like they're blitzing a lot against teams like UConn. Which I hope that's not that's not what this defense is going to be because we didn't see that a whole lot last year. We just had some edges that that could get to the quarterback. And you know, obviously, if it wasn't for Ajabo's injury, you know, he he was a first round pick too. So oh, yeah. that's a once in a lifetime kind of situation where you have two guys on each side that are just eating.
1: Yeah, through three games this year, you know, you compared it to last year, Michigan versus Michigan, but Michigan has eight sacks through the first three games. Clemson, who most people consider have the best defensive line in the country, has five. Georgia, who most people consider the dominant best team in the country, has one. So the fact that they have eight and it's more than Georgia and Clemson, two of the better defensive fronts, maybe the two best defensive fronts in the country, more than both of them combined, I don't think we need to worry a lot. And in regards to blitzing, you know, I think mentors are giving people as much to put, you know putting as much on tape and make Maryland and Iowa and and our future op- opponents prepare for it. You know, I think Yeah, that's
0: that's also a good way to look at it. Yeah. Um switching gears from the defense, JJ McCarthy. Yeah, he he had some some of his his moments there, but I think for the most part he was composed. He did a good job. I mean, 15 of 18 for 214 yards. He didn't throw for any touchdowns, but that's a credit to Blake Corum with five touchdowns, you know, from a yard out. Uh an homage to Hassan Haskins last year. Uh in in the game that, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, you're gonna be watching until, you know, they do it again. Um, and even then you're probably still gonna watch it. But he really did look polished.
1: Yeah, I don't know about you, Tyler, and I think you and I may have texted about this when the game was going on, but one of the best plays for me, for J.J., and I might be the only person that thought this, but, you know, he took a deep sack on third down and because uh, no one was open. And I just thought that last year he'd have forced that in. He'd have trusted his arm. He'd have slung it in there. There was The, the game was in hand. There was no reason to take that chance in that moment. And I thought it showed maturity. You know, do I want to take a – eight yard sack or whatever that was it might have, been, might have been more than that uh but the fact that he didn't force it in in a situation that it wasn't necessary to force it in, I, to me that showed growth more not more but equally to a lot of the highlight stuff that we've seen you know I mean this I, I think what we heard in spring ball was he was taking chances of turning it over too much and that was the reason why Cade may win the starting job and if he can t- we see what he can do, and some sort of the throws and the placement, the big plays, the speed he can make. But if he can avoid the big negative plays, uh, look out.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got a guy, who I know he beat out in in a you know a heated quarterback battle. We've gone into that. We don't need to go back into that. But JJ McCarthy, when push comes to shove. And Cade McNamara, our teammates. So J.J. McCarthy can go to Cade McNamara and just be like, hey, how do I not turn the ball over? How do I be more smart about not turning the ball over? And even that, even if they don't have that kind of relationship, J.J. can go on tape and see what Cade used to do when when there wasn't something open. He'd throw the ball away, right? So that's it's about being smart with, with when you're... You don't have, um, you know, anything open. Just throw the ball away. Yeah. Or, you know, don't take a sack. So, um, but, you know, that's kind of where I see it. I think they they fully dominated. I don't really think we need to go much more into this game. I, I think- uh, other than the elephant in the room, um, you know, it was, I think, was it late? Was it right before half? Yeah, it was right before half. Uh, JJ came out. Cade went in. And um, Cade got hit pretty hard after he got rid of the ball and he had to come out of the game. He was limping. And, and Jim Harbaugh said that he doesn't know uh, when Cade is going to be back other than he is out at least a couple weeks. weeks. Uh, I think they've narrowed it down to say it could be four weeks. It could be longer. Jim Harbaugh did say he doesn't think it's going to be the full season. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. you. you Short time ago, you thought embarrassment of Richards, two good quarterbacks, two, you know, two quarterbacks that are have the ability to start for most teams in this country, and now you're down one. So I think, you know, how that affects the team is uh, you don't have as much confidence. Although I, I, it sounds like the staff is really confident in Davis Warren as the backup, but yeah, you know, I mean, maybe that changes your play calling a little bit with JJ. Maybe you don't have as much read option on the plate because you know you know that there's a bigger fall off than there would be if if Cade was sitting there ready to go, but. You know, that's only a problem if JJ gets hurt, and hopefully that's not a problem. But uh, you know I, I think JJ won the job, and you know it's it's, uh, it's only going to be a problem if there's an injury. And it seems like they're pretty confident in Davis saw. So, uh, you know get well fast for Cade because I'm a huge Cade McNamara fan, and and uh, love what he means to our team. So uh, I want him to get well. But as long as JJ does his thing and stays healthy, that probably shouldn't hurt us. And it'll be nice to have him once we get into the meat of the Big Ten end of the Big Ten schedule.
0: Yeah, so my thoughts are, you know, you're one hit away from Davis Warren being your starting quarterback who's never taken a snap in a meaningful Big Ten game. So that's certainly not a good situation. But <laughs> I think, on the other hand, it does calm the situation a little bit where where J.J. doesn't have to be looking over his shoulder anymore. He can just say, you know what, this is my spot for now. I could go out there. I can, you know, continue to grow and, I mean, I guess that's that's the spin, the positive spin I would put on it. Um, Donovan Edwards looks like he's going to be a go this week. Um, Keegan and Barnhart, um, both probable, I would say. Um, and then we have another key injury to another player that we're not going to name at this point in time. Um, but he could be out a couple weeks as well, and that's on the offense. So... We'll see where that one goes, but we're going to get into the um, the snap counts here and the PFF ratings. So um, one thing that really stuck out to me just by looking at this, J.J. took more snaps than any other quarterback and not by not by a little bit. He took took a lot more snaps by a landslide, and his overall PFF grade was 84 again. I mean, he's he was just fantastic again. Yep, very good.
1: Well, I mean, I think he took more snaps because I think at some point they would look around like, who wants to throw a ball? Because
0: Yeah, that's true. As
1: someone that follows the program as close as I do, uh, when Andy Maddox and Brandon Mann come out to throw passes, I'm looking at their jersey, and I'm like, who is that? You know, uh, seven different players threw a pass. Eight different quarterbacks played. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, I, I think I sent you a note, and you know, all my buddies that are Michigan fans. Has that ever happened? I mean, I know it's never happened in my lifetime at a Michigan team. I know that for a fact. Just,
0: no, uh, yeah, I don't think it's ever. I don't me, think it's ever happened. Uh, and, I, and I just think it's it's a credit to. I mean, I guess the soft schedule, but it all, it's also a credit to the guys that have worked so hard that aren't going to see much more of the field this year. So it, it's. It's a nod to those guys and just say, you know what, you know these guys are, are working just as hard as our starters, if not harder, because their their spots aren't guaranteed. I guess football is a meritocracy, and at the end of the day, nothing's guaranteed. But um, you know, I think that was uh, that was certainly eye opening. Um, Ronnie Bell just continues to be as consistent as consistent gets. Um, they can move him great. out wide. They can put him in the slot. Uh, I think best case scenario i think he's better off in the slot to be honest i think that's where you know especially if if you you you're going to start playing teams that are going to say you know what we're not just gonna we're not going to let your burners on the outside get past us so you're going to have to throw stuff underneath that you know we're not going to let up the big play and so that's where you can start getting guys like ronnie bell open and and, uh andrew anthony in the slot as well although he's more of a outside guy but um yeah so I want to get your thoughts on on Ronnie Bell.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, Ronnie looked great. I mean, I, I love seeing uh, A.J. Henning in the backfield at the running back spot. I mean, I think they have so many uh, guys like that, whether it's him or Roman Wilson or, or, or even Ronnie Bell, lining up with the backfield and making people keep people on their toes where we line people up. And we know Donovan Edwards, when he's back, he has the ability to play all three wide receiver positions. So, I mean, it gives them so much play calling, versatility, so many options. And uh, I think the more they move people in and out, I mean, you know, I think some fans would love to see, uh, you know, a number one, and number two receiver put up big numbers and be first team, all big 10 and all Americans. and That would be cool. But the reality is is they have so much versatility with so many guys that have similar skill sets and unique skill sets that to be bringing those guys in and out, you know, if you're calling the plays on defense and trying to set matchups, that's tough when you're rolling guys out and you have Donovan Edwards go to the X and you have A.J. Henning come in and play tailback. I mean, there's just so much versatility there. Um,
0: there there's an assortment exciting. of riches when it comes to the backfield. I mean, you have – I mean, hopefully Donovan Edwards plays this week. But even if he doesn't, you know, you have C.J. Stokes who mm-hmm. took 16 snaps. Um, uh, he's good enough, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think you know Blake Coram obviously is probably going to be the the you know the workhorse. But I don't know that there's going to be that Hassan Haskins like there was last year. And if there isn't short yardage, maybe it's C.J. Stokes. And I think. You know, in, in A.J. Henning's case, it's more of like jet sweeps or, or you know, fake it to A.J. Henning because, you know, most people and most defenses are going to key in on on A.J. Henning. Oh, he's getting the ball. He's in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a read option or a play action fake to him might have someone wide open because you have those linebackers crashing down. Not to get too analytical. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I think you look across the board, you know, you look at the tight end position, Max Bredesen. Two weeks ago, had that big, you know, one of the biggest plays of the game. Everyone excited was excited for that. This past week against UConn, he played 14 snaps, all running plays. He was the highest graded guy on offense. You know, so I think you're going to see a lot of him in the weeks ahead. He he, he's making a difference. We saw that he can catch the ball, make plays down the field, and he obviously is a tremendous run blocker. He's got almost a 90 grade, which was you know, like I said, the highest on the offense. So, and there's. There's uh, standouts when you look at the uh, grades that PFF put out. Uh, I think the most uh, exciting one for me personally is, you know, Trent a. Jones has secured a starting spot on the offensive line. In the first couple of weeks, he looked a little shaky. And in this last mm-hmm. game, he was the highest graded offensive lineman per PFF. So I think you know you learn by playing, you get better by playing, and and then watching the tape and, le- and learning and being coached up. And he's clearly coachable, clearly learning from his mistakes because uh, you know 80, he had been over 81 grade that last week. So I think that's a really positive sign as we move. You know, hopefully we get to a point where we can play five linemen together consistently. Hopefully, like you mentioned, Keegan's back. Um, and they can uh, – sounds like he's trending in a good way. And so, uh, you know, get five guys to play. Although uh, El Hadi played really, really well and led the team in snaps. And,
0: yeah, El Hadi uh, and – and, and,
1: really liked what he saw from him. So, you know, there, there's some positives there too.
0: Yeah, the, the offensive line as a whole, I think, played a better game, uh, even though they got Kate McNamara killed. Um, <laughs> but – but you know, overall, I think I think there's a lot of looks that they still haven't presented, um, you know, in terms of offensive line stuff that, that they haven't they haven't shown yet, and they're not going to show yet. So, um, and the the other thing I just kind of want to just just briefly mention that it feels like they're running more to the outside. It doesn't feel like they're running between the tackles as much, which if you told me two years ago that a Jim Harbaugh team was going to run a lot of jet sweeps and a lot of motion and was going to run a lot of plays to the outside, I would have told you you're out of your mind, but they're doing a lot of that. And um, I don't know if that just tells you because you you don't have a a son Haskins anymore, or if it's just because, you know, they're starting to evolve and and the offense has to change a little bit.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I wonder if a, it's, you know, putting something on tape that, you know, to teams they know they can beat, to put, you know, make defenses prepare for that. I know that, you know, Harbaugh said on a number of occasions that's the best uh, blocking wide receiver core he's had. So take advantage of that. You know, get Cornelius Johnson, who's going to, you know, outweighs just about every DB by 20, 30 pounds out there blocking. Andre Anthony, while he hasn't made splash plays every game, they've come out talking about how well he blocked and how well he graded in the run game. So when you have wide receivers that can block on the edges out there, I think that – uh Is gives, you know, play callers the motivation to run it out there. But, you know, I tend to think that that's really more putting stuff on tape, running to the edges. I think once we get into Harbaugh is who he is. And I think, you know, the identity of this team with with the success last season was running it down your throat. And I expect to see more of that in the weeks ahead.
0: Yeah, I agree. So we're going to move on to the recruits that were actually in the big house uh, for the game against UConn. Again, there wasn't a ton. Um, the biggest being Chris Peel, the 2023 four-year four-star um, on the composite uh, out of Providence Day, the same school that Jaden Davis is, um, you know, attending and playing football at. Um, how do you think it went?
1: Yeah, all reports are they went really, really well. I mean, I, I you never know. He's got some other visits lined up, but at this point, I fully expect him to be in this class. He's, he he. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next commit to this class. I feel like it's trending that way. No crystal balls or anything like that, but everything that I've heard and everything that's out there for anyone to see seems like it's trending in a really positive way.
0: Yeah. I see a lot of Georgia on 24/7. A lot of people saying that Georgia Mm -hmm. uh, is, is the team to beat. Um, But I think if Jaden Davis ends up coming to Michigan, he's going to take a lot of those Providence day kids with him. And that's why I think it's imperative that you get Jaden Davis to commit sooner rather than later, because then at least that way you can kind of have him recruit for you in a way, kind of like J.J. did. I know every every class is different, but certainly that seemed to work, you know, getting Donovan Edwards afterwards and, and you know, others. So um, that is going to be big. And hopefully that that does come down soon that we can get a, a commit from Chris Peel.
1: Yeah, I think, that's, I think it's trending in that way. This weekend, you know, we have five-star uh, all-world athlete, Nicholas Aubrey, coming in, uh, five-star athlete, you know, that, that originally was recruited as a defensive end, edge rusher. He has said that he wants to, uh, you know, play on the offensive side of the ball. Either there's tight ends, a wide receiver. He's a freak. Um, he's coming off a, a, an official visit at South Carolina that, according to him, he said that they did – everything that they needed to do to secure his commitment now, and they I, got
0: boat raced by georgia you
1: got to see the boat raced. he still said that I, I wonder you and i had a conversation earlier i wonder when he left michigan every interview he did would lead anyone that read his comments to think he's a lock for michigan and what i mean by that is i think he's one of those guys that gives a good interview and knows what to say and and uh you know, and gives the good soundbite to get people excited. I have no idea where he's leaning. I know he's coming to Michigan this weekend. You know, they're going to run the red carpet out for him, uh, roll the red carpet out for him, I'm sorry, and and do everything they can to show him a good time and make him feel like a priority. And so where do I think that's going to go? I have no idea. Uh, you know, I think many of the tea leaves have been pointing to South Carolina for several weeks now, but Uh, I know that academics are really important to him and his family. Very, very important. He also is, you know, he's a track stud. And I know that he's going to spend time with the track team while he's there and the track coach. So I think, you know, there's a lot of things that they're going to do. Man, They're going to pull out all the stops. It's just a matter of, you know, where his heart is at. And then we have offensive linemen out of Chicago, uh, Nathan Afobi coming into town. And I think if it's not Chris Heel, it's him that's going to be the next commit. I mean, I think there's a chance they lock that down whether it gets announced this weekend. Uh, you know, he, he's been trending. He's really good friends with a few of the guys on the team from the Chicago area, and uh, I think that's looking really, really good. And then they have a couple of 24, 25 guys come into town too. But those two are really the focus. And uh, and then I think after this weekend, you're going to see, you know, the, this. You know, as soon as the calendar turns to October, as a team start to reset reset their boards they assess where they're at and and, and reset the board so i think you're going to see in the next two three weeks several more offers going out you know to guys that are either uh, they were underrated think of jimmy rolder last cycle that they identified as being better or guys that they think are vulnerable that have been leaning towards other uh, programs but I, I would expect to see the big board as it stands now to expand a great deal on the next three weeks
0: yeah, and, and, you know, that's that's what you would expect, you know, coming off a Big Ten title. We've, we've talked about the reasonings why, and you guys can go back and, and listen to those podcasts and, and um, you know, find out what that reasoning is. And there's, you know, multiple reasonings um, why that this class has gotten off to such a slow start and kind of picked up again and then kind of slowed down. And, and that's kind of where we're at now. We were, we were talking earlier trying to figure out who the last recruit – uh, commit that Michigan had was and uh, it wasn't recently it was like what a couple weeks ago in, uh, in
1: August yeah we had a few yeah. commits in August they had um, Zach Marshall was the most recent commit and then before mm-hmm. him Evan Link uh, big offensive tackle and then before him the number one player in the class Etta and know out to know Etta and but yeah uh, hopefully we see some momentum get picking up here real soon
0: yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing. Recruiting is all about momentum and, and it's all about what you, what you make of it. And, and I shouldn't say what you make of it. It's all about momentum and, and, you know, how, how you can kind of go from one recruitment to another and kind of build off of it. And I guess that is, that, that is momentum, but like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, that's, that's where recruiting is. And this is, we've talked about it before. This is the lifeblood of the sport. Like, If you want to be a good team, you have to have good players. That there's no. I mean, yeah, you can coach up players, but but for the most part, a four star is a four star. It's not. It doesn't go from a four star to a five star. A three star doesn't all of a sudden go to a five star unless you know. It's a rare situation. You know, most of the teams that win national titles are. You know, five stars and you know some four stars, and you know, of course, they fill the roster with other players. But um, yeah, so. But uh, we're going to move on to the next topic, which is the Maryland game. Michigan Let's comes. Go. in
1: Big Ten play, baby!
0: Yeah, finally, Big Ten play. Michigan comes in as a seventeen-point favorite at home at the Big House. That game is going to be found on Fox at noon. Uh, so that will be big noon. So you get Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt, presumably.
1: The best um, in the business, by the way.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? They are the best in the business. And, and you know, we're going to get a lot more of them. Uh, I heard seven games this year, uh, potentially on Fox. Them, and so th- I guess that depends on how the season goes. But um, certainly a big game for Michigan. They're going to be tested, as we talked about before, and, um, Talia Tagabailoa. Um, you know, he's he's a good player, man. Uh, and, and you know what? They have some great receivers on that team. You know, Raheem Jarrett and J- J- Ja'Shawn Jones, and they have the Copeland kid from Florida, the transfer. So it's not going to be a, an easy cakewalk like UConn or like Colorado State or like Hawaii. Um, you know, they have some guys that can run the ball too, Roman Hemby. Uh this is not going to be an easy task for Michigan.
1: No, I think, you know, uh, I still think they're, you know, they're, they're big favorites for a reason. I mean, I think they've had, uh, Michael Lachlan, the, uh, Maryland teams number, you know, Mar- when you peel back the, the, the curtain a little bit Maryland's Maryland's one of the most penalized teams in the country mm-hmm. and Michigan's the least penalized team in the big I mean, I think that is, uh, by itself, uh, speaks to coaching, speaks to execution. Um, and, and Maryland has not had an answer in the past game. I mean, I think that you know Michigan's going to run the ball, but I would not be surprised for to see JJ have his biggest passing day of his Michigan career, uh, which is not saying a lot because he's a starting quarterback. He should start to light it up a little bit. But I, I expect a lot from him this game.
0: Yeah, they've had a lot of penalties. They, they've really been penalized a ton. And and you know they uh, they can't come into the big house and start you know taking penalties and and you know lining up offsides and and giving Michigan extra opportunities because Michigan is a top five team in the country and, and they will make you pay for it. So, um, you know, like I said, Maryland is a good team and you let them hang around long enough. Um, it's, it certainly could get interesting, uh, like Rutgers did last year, but, um, you know this is this is where the test comes. Tiger Bailoa can throw the ball. They have three at least good receivers, and the, the Corey Dykus is is another good receiver too. And Hemby can catch the ball out of the backfield too. So there's there's a pretty good offense there. Um, their defense is wretched. Uh, <laughs> so JJ McCarthy should be able to sling the ball all over the field against these guys.
1: You would think so. Yeah, I think so, I think. Uh... You know, I'm I'm looking to see our offensive line play their best game of the season. I think like last year, if that happens, uh Lake will have a big game, Donovan will have a big game, whoever lines up at running back a big game, JJ will have time to make plays, and uh, you know, it it, it should go very well. I, I, I think, you know, what is Vegas? Vegas sees this as essentially uh 38 24 Michigan over Maryland score. I think Michigan does better than that. You know, it may not be the margin that we saw last year, but I think they double them up at least. I think, you know, 45 uh, 20, something like that.
0: Is that your official? Uh... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Last week, last week, the score was 59 0. Our predictions were uh, you predicted 57 14. I predicted 58.3 58 3. So we were both pretty close. Uh, I, I like 45 20. i think they more than double them up and i think you know their turnover and their mistakes is going to give us a you know an easy score or two and uh help make it uh not that close
0: yeah my prediction i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna go uh 38 17 michigan i like it. I, like yeah, it. I, I think it's going to be closer still
1: covering you still have covering but
0: yeah, yeah I, I think it's closer at the beginning and then you know as as a better team does they start to pull away at the end I think you know not playing their players um through the you know the most of last game I I think will hurt them a little bit I think they'll they'll get off to a slow start but I think you know at the end Michigan will prevail um and and I think it'll be a at the end, it'll be a laugher, but I think it'll be a little bit of a slug fest at the beginning. And like they punch you in the mouth, maybe they get they go down seven nothing or something. And and JJ has to, has to, um, you know, he has to respond. So,
1: yeah. And, and and you know, only two teams have beaten Michigan in the big house Ohio State and Michigan State. You know, mm-hmm. in the since Harbaugh's been there, he he old served in the big house. And so, you know, if this game was in Maryland, uh, you know, maybe you think a little differently, but at the big house, Michigan rolls.
0: Yeah, and this will be the 10th meeting between, or sorry, the 11th meeting between Michigan and Maryland. The first one coming on September 28, 1985, a 20 to nothing Michigan win in Ann Arbor. And the last game, obviously, was the game right before the Ohio State game last year in College Park, the 59 18 Michigan win. And the only Maryland win at the Big House was in 2014, where they beat Michigan 23 16. And that was, I remember that game. It was kind of, uh, a game that you thought Michigan would win, but, you know, Maryland came in and, and beat Michigan. So the only time Maryland's ever beaten Michigan, they're on a six game winning streak. I look for them to continue that. That was the day
1: you knew Brady Oak was done.
0: Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. But uh, I want to get your final thoughts because I really don't think we have much more to add here.
1: Yeah. I, I think uh, super excited to, to move into Big Ten play. Really eager to see, uh, what this team is i mean you know like we said at the top of the show uh they played cupcakes but they they've done what they were supposed to do i want to see them continue to do that and i think they will um uh, but really excited to see you know play big 10 ball and, and see this team roll
0: yeah i agree uh it's going to be exciting they've definitely done a, done what they've had to do against these scrub opponents um now you got a real opponent um now obviously maryland's not a top 10 team in college football but they're probably to top 35 top 40 team in college football so it will certainly be a different task uh so it will be interesting to see what happens um and and then the, just the last thing that I want to add is um the Big 10 East was it 20 oh, yeah. and 1
1: Twenty and one, Big Ten and, and Sparty one. is the
0: only loss they lost to Washington the other night. Yeah. Um, yeah. that was a bit of a rout, as I'd like to say. It it really didn't even look as close as the, the final score was. All right, so that's all we have tonight for Tyler and. Oh my God, it Brian's really fine. Good.
1: By the way, we've said Brian a bunch. What'd you say? Brian's fine. I don't care, Brian. You say Brian.
0: Okay. So write that down,
1: 33. to 33 to 33
0: 12, 15 Okay, yeah, go ahead. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. We're looking forward to Michigan and Maryland on Saturday. Don't miss it. For Brian, I'm Tyler. You guys have a good night, and go blue. Go blue, baby.